Jeremiah 29. We turn to Jeremiah 29, read God's word in the first 14 verses of the chapter. Before we read this, remember that the children of Israel, really Judah, have been taken into captivity into Babylon. And that's similar to the bondage of the people of Israel in Egypt, a foreign power had taken over. But where there's overlap in meaning, I think that you could say the bondage in Egypt was a picture of the people of God in slavery to sin. The captivity in Babylon, you could say, carries some of that idea too, captivity to sin, but really is a picture of the people of God living in the world on their way to heaven. That's the promise. God says to the people, I'm going to bring you back to the land of promise, which is a picture of heaven. But for a little while, you have to live in the midst of the world and not be of the world. And that's the idea of Babylon. In Egypt, you had the slavery, you had the pharaoh who was cruel, you had the taskmasters. That's a picture of the devil driving us and cruelly treating us in sin. But in Babylon, you didn't have that. You had riches, you had all of the wealth of the world, the joy of the things of the world, and that was placed there for the people of Israel. Here's where you ought to find your joy and your satisfaction. And now Isaiah wrote to the captives in Babylon hundreds of years before the captivity. That's amazing. Here Jeremiah is a prophet who's writing to the captives in Babylon during the time when they were captives in Babylon. He lived through it. So Jeremiah 29, let's read the first 14 verses here of the Word of God. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders, which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elisa the prophet, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah king of Judah sent unto Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, 
the God of Israel. Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which ye have caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Thus far, we read the word of God tonight. May God bless the reading of his word. It's that beautiful 11th verse that I call your attention to tonight. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you find tonight that like the people of God in Babylon, you need to hear the word of God? There's much confusion. When you ask a question like this, where are you going to find peace? And where are you going to find hope for the future? And in a certain sense, the prophets, false prophets, the deceivers from Judah, that is, men in the church, were saying there is no hope, no peace. Now, that's not entirely accurate. Their message was this, your hope and your peace is in Jerusalem. And when God takes you back to Jerusalem, then you will have peace and then you will have hope again. But the message was, not here in Babylon. If you're doomed to live here in Babylon as the people of God, you're not going to have any peace and you're not going to have any hope for the future. That was one answer then that the people of Judah who were living in Babylon were hearing. There is here in Babylon no hope for peace or a future. And then, there's the answer of the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, that the people of God were faced with. You want peace? You want hope for the present and for the future? Don't you see Daniel? Remember him? And his three friends who were 14-year-olds? Don't you see all of you young men and women from Judah and Jerusalem, don't you see here in the city of Babylon your 
hope for peace and for a prosperous future. It's right here in all of our food and drink, all of the riches we have. Here is where you can have good jobs, good homes. Here's where you can have lots of worldly fun. And you can understand the people of God there in Babylon sort of waffling between these two answers, maybe having these two things tug on their hearts. What is it today? Do you have any hope for peace or comfort or a future? And maybe some of the Jews there in Babylon were saying, I'm ready to throw in the towel to say there is no hope. And then you can think of many others who are saying, older, not just the younger, but older members and younger members of of the Church of God, the people of God at that time were saying, you know, Jerusalem is a rubble. The walls have been torn down. The temple has been destroyed. All of our homes have been wiped out. And here in Babylon, it is pretty good. This is actually the greatest city in the whole world. There's never at that time been a city like the worldly city of Babylon. Here is where we'll find peace and hope for the future. Which one of these do you find tugging at your heart? Or maybe both, sometimes. With what's going on in my life, in the world, what's going on in my family, what's going on in the church. I'm tempted to say, there's no peace. And what hope do I have for the future? Or do you find yourself... being tempted by that great temptation that Jesus warns us of, the deceitfulness of riches. I'm not sure that there's any people in any other place right now for whom it is more fitting to say, this is Babylon, where we're living. What country in all the history of the world has had the wealth and the privilege that the United States has? Have you not felt the devil using the riches of this society in which you live to tug on your heart to say, I don't need to look to God. I don't need to look anywhere else. I can find my peace and my future and my prosperity right here. in a career, and in money, and in the things of this world. The people of Judah and Babylon needed the word of God, this letter from God. And all the confusion, you hear people saying there's no hope, or you hear people saying there's hope in the here and now and the things of this world. This is what God says to you. God says, you need to know my thoughts and my plan. And you need to find your peace and your hope in me and in my promises. And then this enables you as one who has faith in God and in his son, Jesus Christ, so that you could say, I have salvation. It enables you to say, I can block out anyone who comes to me with some kind of 
pessimistic view and says, there's no peace and there's no hope for the future. It's all bleak. I will not listen to that. I'm going to listen to the word of God. And this is what I'm going to say to anybody who comes to me and says, your hope is here in this world and the riches of this world. No, I have an answer from God. He says, this is what I must know. For I know the thoughts that I think to you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So let's hear this word of God tonight under the theme, the thoughts of God toward us, noticing first of all that these are thoughts in his plan, a prepared, carefully laid out plan. Secondly, these are thoughts of peace. And thirdly, these are thoughts of prosperity, really of a hope for the future. God says to his people in Babylon and to you and me in the world, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And the plural thoughts there would be plans. And I know the plans that I think, singular, toward you. In other words, I have a plan made up of many thoughts about you. You. You are in my mind. You are in my plan. You are in my thoughts always. And this goes against then the message of the false prophets where they were saying to the people in Babylon, if you stay here in Babylon, that's not in God's plan. God's plan has somehow been diverted. Somehow God's plan has even been thwarted. This is contrary to the plan of God. God's plan for us as Jews is to be in Jerusalem. And this is how they were deceiving the people. God said, I didn't send them. I didn't tell them to say this to you, but they're saying this to you. Soon, you are going to be brought out of Babylon and brought back to Jerusalem. So don't plant, don't make gardens, don't start businesses, don't establish homes, don't give your children in marriage, don't do anything in the city of Babylon. Just be ready for God to take you back to Jerusalem. And implied is that this whole thing where Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon has defeated you and brought you into Babylon, it's all a mistake. It's not in the plan of God. It's not good for you. God doesn't want you to be in Babylon. Don't settle down. Well, the letter that God sends through Jeremiah says exactly the opposite. This is exactly where God wants you. This is in the plan of God. And notice how strongly that was stated in verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away, captives, whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away, 
No. Whom I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. I want you to be here, God says, for 70 years. This is according to the plan. You being in Babylon at this time is my plan. And my plan for you is to continue to seek me there in Babylon. Don't be of Babylon, yes. Build your homes, start your businesses, plant your gardens, give your children in marrying and so on, but continue to pray to me, continue to seek me, continue to find me, continue to seek to fulfill my covenant purposes for you in Babylon. And keep growing in the Lord and be at peace and have hope for the future. Why? Because I know my thoughts that I think towards you. Now, when God says, I have thoughts towards you, what we sang of in Psalm 139 applies also to this text here in Jeremiah. The, the plural here is to indicate that God has so many thoughts, you and I cannot count them. He's saying to the, the people of Judah in the Old Testament, and to you and me today, I think of you constantly. I think of you in eternity. And I've carefully laid out my plans for you. And my thoughts towards you are so many that you can't know the sum of them. And you are in them. These are thoughts toward you. Not just about you. But these are thoughts with a purpose towards you. These are thoughts for your good. And so God comes and says, I have a carefully laid out plan. He doesn't use that language, but in Isaiah 46, you find God describing himself as the God who knows the end from the beginning. So that God is saying, look, this is all carefully laid out in one great plan. And if you want to think of each thought as a mini plan, there are so many thoughts and plans in between, but it's all laid out. So that God is saying to the people of Judah, have you found yourself now saying, you know, we really didn't plan what happened in the past. This caught us by surprise. And if you go back and look, you will see all of the false prophets and some of the kings of Judah who are saying this can't happen to us. They didn't plan for this. Nebuchadnezzar and the people of Babylon are not going to take us into captivity. And the present right now, the people of of Judah are saying, this wasn't planned by us. This, this is a great mistake. In fact, you turn to Psalter number 379, 380, and you find that the people are there by the river of Babylon, and they're down. How can we sing the songs of God here in this foreign land where we don't know the language, we don't know the people, we don't fit in here, and they are mocking us saying, now sing your songs, and we're saying, this is a disaster. We, hung, we hang our harps on the willows. We can't play. We can't sing. We didn't plan for this right now. The past, the present, and the future. 
would like to think that we're going to go back to Jerusalem, but we didn't plan the past or the present. How do we know what's going to happen in the future? God comes and says, I'm not reacting. I'm not surprised. I haven't been winging it. I knew what was going to happen in the past. I planned it. I knew it was going to happen right now. I planned it. I know what's going to happen in the future. I've planned it. I'm going to come to that a little later. But now what's implied in all of this is that there's this plan of God. He has the past, he has the present, he has the future, all thought out. But that plan of God is a powerful plan. Or maybe the better way to put it is God has a power of providence in which he says, look, what I have planned doesn't just kind of happen. It doesn't just unfold. But you have to understand I'm in control of the past, the present, the future, so that what I've planned, I'm going to make sure it comes to pass. I've planned what circumstances you were in before, what circumstances you are in now. I planned the different ways that you would be weak, the ways that you would falter. I planned the enemies that you would face. But remember, in the past, what was going on, not only did I plan what was going to happen to you and the circumstances, but I also planned how I was going to help you. I planned my mercies. I planned my graces that I was going to give to you. And every step along the way, I fulfilled my plan and was taking care of you. Right now, even here in Babylon, where you think that maybe there's no hope or comfort, I'm thinking about you and how I'm going to care for you. What mercy you need today. My mercies are new every morning, remember. And I've planned them all out every day for you. This is why you were safe in the past, why you're safe now, and why you will be safe in the future. We, beloved, have to ask the question, no matter what the circumstances are, am I in the thought of God? That's really it, isn't it? The question is not, Do I have health? Do I have enough money for today? Am I in control? And we know the answer to that is I'm not in control. But the question is, am I in the thoughts of God? And there's, all the safety that we need, beloved, because when God says, I know my thoughts towards you, he is saying to the people in the Old Testament, you're right where I want you to be. You're my man, my woman, my young person in the place where I put you and where I want you. And you... 
You may be a poor planner. You are. And you find that out so often in your life. God is saying, I'm the perfect planner. It's all in my plan and under my control. And so, beloved, this is what the people of Judah are taught to do, and this is what you and I are taught to do when our circumstances are difficult, when we are confused, when we are troubled, when our hearts and our minds are fluttering. Run to God and say, I didn't plan this. I didn't know this was going to happen. I don't see how this is for my good. But I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he has paid for my sins. I believe that he died and rose again from the dead in order to deliver me from all evil. I believe that Jesus Christ has, in my salvation, earned this for me to be able to live close to God. And to know that I'm in his thoughts. And he has planned all of this. You're in my plan. I know my thoughts towards you. Thoughts of peace, we notice in the second place. In fact, God adds something to that. My thoughts, saith the Lord, are thoughts of peace and not of evil. This is what the exiles in a strange land who are enduring sorrow, who are being treated like foreigners, perhaps discriminated against. This is what they need to know. This was in the plan of God for you, but not for your hurt, not to destroy you or to harm you in any way. And this is what the New Testament pilgrims, such as you and I are, have to be thinking too. All along the way, we're on a pilgrimage. That's what we're taught by Hebrews chapter 11. That's what we're taught by 1 Peter chapter 1. We are pilgrims and strangers here in the midst of this world. We don't belong here. This is not our home. The riches of this world are not our riches. The lifestyle of this world is not our lifestyle. The religions of this world, they, that's not our religion. We serve the one true God. And along the way, people persecute us. They mock us. They treat us as strangers and foreigners. We have many sorrows and hurts. And so when God says, I've planned peace for you and not evil, he's not saying to you and me, there's not going to be any trouble or difficulty for you in your life. God's plan for us is not for an easy life. Nor is God saying here, your plans that you come up with, they're going to be fulfilled. Your life actually is going to have, God is saying very clearly, many things happen that you didn't plan for. Many things that you wouldn't plan for. Many things that you even say to yourself consciously, I don't want these things to happen in my life. And yet, they happen. But God is the perfect planner. 
And thank God that our lives unfold according to His plan and not our own. And the idea here is not only then that God is saying, and because I'm the perfect planner in the future, you're going to have a hope. We're going to come to that in a moment. But the idea here is that God is saying to us as his people, right now in the circumstances in which you live, you can have peace knowing my plan. And that was very important for the people of Israel living there in Babylon. To be able to say, yes, we're going to have to live here for 70 years. And we look forward to the future, and yet the word of God has come to us right now to tell us, look, what I have planned for you right now is part of my larger plan. I know all of my thoughts, and I've put everything in the whole history of the world together as a plan for your good. And do you see how that works? How what may look to you as evil and not good, can be in the plan of God and fit into the plan that he has for all of history, for the whole church, for you, and be good. Maybe you have need to be reminded of Joseph. And maybe you've had Joseph moments in your life where things happen to you that are evil. Now understand that when we speak of evil, we can say that in the sense of not something that's sinful, but something that's harmful, something that's painful, something in your life that makes you weep. And it looks like there's no good. Now, that's another way that we could define evil. Something happens in your life that hurts you eternally, that may destroy your soul, that may bring about your separation from God. That doesn't happen because everything's in the plan of God. And that brings peace. Now, Joseph was given remarkable faith by God so that all along the way, as evil things, such as hurtful things, were happening to him, he didn't seem to be too troubled by that. But we can see, maybe we could even identify more with his brothers. His brothers who later in life went to Joseph thinking, Joseph's perspective is going to be, you hurt me, brothers. You faked my death. You lied to my father. You sold me into slavery. As a result of that, I ended up in prison. And I ended up alone here in Egypt. And I've had a miserable life for many years because of you brothers. It's bad. Is that how you sometimes look at what's going on in your life? Well, now, Joseph said to his brothers, you can find it in Genesis 50, verse 20, no, what you meant for evil against me, and it did hurt me, in the end doesn't work evil in the sense of destruction for me or for the plan of God or for the church of God. In the end, God meant it for good to save much people alive. 
And what Joseph is able to see is that even though there are individual things that God planned and that God causes to happen in his life that hurts him, it all fits into this master plan where it's all for his good, the good of his brothers, the good of the church, and even not just for the good of his, him and his brothers then, but even for the people of Israel, 430 years later, they're coming to Egypt as part of the plan of God so that he can bring them out through Moses and establish them as a nation 430 years later. And even this was planned by God, the coming of Jesus Christ out of the loins of the people of Israel at that time. It's all part of the plan of God, the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what we can see even here in Jeremiah 29. God is saying, what looks to you to be a short-term setback. And that's our problem, isn't it? We plan so short-sightedly. We don't look at the big picture, but God says what that looks what looks to you as a short-term setback is part of my perfect plan for the salvation of my church in Jesus Christ. Why did God want the people of Israel in Babylon? Because of their impenitent sin, their idolatry when they lived in Jerusalem, their immorality when they lived in Jerusalem their refusal to turn to God and to turn away from their sins in Jerusalem. And God saying to the people, I want you there in Babylon, and this is better for you to be there for 70 years. Because there for 70 years, I'm going to chasten you. There for 70 years, I'm going to make you sensitive to sin in a way that you never would have been in Jerusalem. If you would have stayed in Jerusalem and continued in your pride and in your idolatry and impenitence, you would have perished. This is part of my plan, to humble you, to purify you, to do you good. But it's all part of a bigger plan, isn't it? To save the remnant, to bring them back to Jerusalem, so that 500 years later, Jesus would be born there from the loins of those Jews who returned from captivity in Babylon, but they had to be preserved by God in the way of his chastening them by sending them into captivity. And so, this is the peace that you and I can have when we think, right now I'm in the thoughts of God. And not only does that bring me peace when I'm prospering, yes, when things are going well in my life, I have to be thinking then too. Not about, I I may forget God. I have to remember that this too is from God and needs to be used for the glory of God. But now when I am sorrowing, when I am feeling lonely, far away from God, when I feel like I'm an exile from God, then I need to remember his promises. And this is what God is doing. Even in the Old Testament, think about how remarkable that is. God said to the people in the Old Testament, here in the land of Canaan and here in Jerusalem at Mount Zion, here where there's the temple and where there's the most holy place and the ark, all these symbols of my presence, that's where you will have peace with me. And so from a certain point of view, when the people were removed from all that 
and brought to Babylon, they had a reason to think God's forgotten us. We're cut off from him. We're far from him. And yet there in the Old Testament through his word, through his prophet, God was able to say to the people, no, here in Babylon too, I'm with you. And you may have my word, my promises, and be at peace. Beloved, if they could do that in the Old Testament, how much more we as we take hold of the word of God in the scriptures, the word of God to us in Jesus Christ, the word of God that we can carry with us everywhere and in every circumstance in our hearts by faith. We're in the thoughts of God. This is all in his plan. My circumstances don't need to change. I don't have to be afraid of the world. I don't need to seek the treasures of the world. No, all I need to know is that this is God's word to me. I know my thoughts of peace to you in Jesus Christ. I'm in his plan. His plan for me is peace. And that means the goal is hope, prosperity for the future. If you read other versions of other translations of the Hebrew, you will see that this is often translated at the end here where we have to give you an expected end, to give you a future and a hope. And the King James puts that together and say, says, there's a, an end in mind, a goal, and it's, it's expected, it's to come, it's a, a future end, a future and a hope. And God is very clear here in laying out for the people of Judah, this is it. After 70 years, I am going to deliver you from Babylon, and I'm going to bring you back to the land of Canaan. And the people of Israel knew exactly what this meant. The land of Canaan is the picture of God's inheritance for us, the picture of heaven. So that as New Testament Christians, we say, this is what the word of God is to us here in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You're not going to stay here forever in this world. You're not going to suffer the temptations, the trials, the difficulties of life. Someday, God is going to bring us to heaven. That's the end, beloved. Not, and you know that, the end of God thinking of us. He's never going to quit thinking of us. The plan of God, the thoughts of God towards us have no end, but the idea is they do have a goal in mind. Spiritual peace. Comfort in the life to come. Now that is different from what the false prophets were saying to the people of God in the Old Testament. It is true that the false prophets were saying, you're not going to find your peace and your comfort here in Babylon. And yet at the end of the day, they were basically saying the same thing as the Babylonians. They were saying what you as the people of God need is you need the earthly city of Jerusalem to prosper. You need the riches of this earth to prosper. In other words, 
they were not pointing the people to God and saying, there's the God who is your Savior from sin, and there's the God who's going to give you all spiritual riches and heavenly blessings. But they were saying, this is who God is for you, the God of health and wealth and earthly prosperity. And so the only difference between them and worldly people is worldly people say you don't need God. All you need is the things of this world. And these false prophets were saying, this is why we have God, to give us the riches of this world. And so there are people who want comfort from God, but they look to him for an earthly comfort in an earthly way. They look to him for peace and hope through the riches of this world. They want a shortcut to prosperity. They want money now. They want happiness now here in this life. And so that's why there are people in the church who love money, who love convenience, pleasure, sin. And there are even false prophets in the church who preach that gospel of health and wealth. Suppose you pursue that shortcut to prosperity and pleasure in the things of this world. Is that going to lead to a future hope? Know this, and the people of Judah and Babylon needed to know this. If we pursue the riches of this world, it's only going to lead us away from God. And to riches that do not last forever, they perish. And those who impenitently pursue those riches will perish with them and have no future or hope. Let's believe the word of God that our hope is not here. And that even if we suffer in this life, and we do, our hope is for the future and for heaven. This is the life of true peace, prosperity. Even, I'm going to put it this way, success in this life. That you put your trust in God, continue to pray to him, continue to do his will, and look for the hope of the life to come. Are you tempted to give up? Are you tempted to say, I'm like those people of Judah sitting by the river. I'm going to hang up my harp, and I'm going to silence my mouth. I can't sing. I don't have any hope for the future or comfort. That's when the word of God comes to the people of Judah in the Old Testament, living in Babylon. When the word of God comes to you and me and says, Believe my word. It may not look like it. And everything that you hear in the world is going to tell you that there is no peace and there's no hope for the future. But you walk by faith and not by sight. And I say to you, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. And to give you a future and a hope in expected end. 
hear the warning. There are many who didn't believe that word of God. There are many Jews who said, I'm not going to put my hope in the word of God and his promise. Millions of them said, I'm going to seek the things of this world. And they perished. But take heart and follow the example of the remnant who said, we're not going to pursue Babylon and the treasures of this city. We're going to believe the word of God. Some of them died before the 70 years were up. But they still received their future and their hope, didn't they? Some of them later returned from Babylon to the city of Jerusalem, but eventually perished too. But they received their future and their hope, didn't they? Where are they now? Oh, they are waiting for the coming of the day of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the body and the perfect fulfillment of what God is promising here in the text. But already now they're there, aren't they? In heaven, in their soul, God has fulfilled for them the promise of a future and a hope. Beloved, that is the end that God has planned for everyone who hears his word and believes in Jesus Christ and seeks his kingdom. Amen. Father in heaven, use thy word to teach us not to look for hope in our own plans, but to seek to live according to our own desires. Teach us, Lord, also not to give up hope because things don't go according to our plans or the way that we would want them to go. Grant unto us faith that we may lay hold of thy word and all of the promises that thou hast given to us. Grant that we may lay hold of the truth that thy plan is perfect in all of the thoughts that thou hast laid out in that plan. And grant that we may say in every circumstance that thou art our refuge and strength, and when there's trouble, that thou art our present help in the time of trouble. And help us then in every circumstance to be at peace. Today, this week, no matter what we face, give us peace as we look to thee in faith. And grant that we may live our light, lives as lights shining in the midst of this world as those who know the truth and who seek not the riches of this world because we have the riches of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.